Father, thank you that we have this privilege this morning to worship you in the word. We pray that we would understand what you are communicating here. We also pray that our time of celebration would bring glory to your name. And you might open our eyes to see how great you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I wanted to start this morning's service by saying, rather with great uh, pithy statement, we live in a world of boiled frogs. So maybe you know what I mean by that. Um, But as I looked into it a little bit, I I saw that maybe there's some, some myth involved in that whole boiling frog thing. You know what I'm talking about with the boiled frogs? If you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll just jump out. Or if you just put it in a a tepid water and then slowly heat it up, it will eventually boil. It won't get out. Well, apparently that's not true. I have not run the experiments to prove whether it's true or not. So so we're going to move off of that one. Um, Rather, uh, I want to remind you maybe of a time when you were driving uh, to another state and you drove by a paper mill. Some of you apparently have had that experience because you immediately had that resonate with you. It's just, it stinks. Or maybe you've driven by a pig farm. It, it's not a pleasant experience. After a little while, however, if you were to live near a paper mill or near a pig farm, it doesn't make it not stink. But you start to accommodate. Your, your body acclimates to that position, that, that smell, and it starts to not seem quite as bad. Well, we live in a society that has become increasingly numb to moral decay. Crime is rampant. We can read about it in newspapers, on the internet. We watch it on news channels. Our prisons are well stocked, and there are many criminals that are still at large. While no one will say, oh yes, that's that's great, I think crime is great. None of us say that, right? Crime is great, Let's, let's keep it going. No. We tend to glorify crime with our forms of entertainment. The things we watch on television, films that we watch, video games that people play. All of these types of genres um, demonstrate an acceptability to crime, and we start to become numb toward it. Sexual immorality is continually increasing. And if you don't think that that's true, you are evidence that you are accommodating to what is around you. Our entertainment industry demonstrates through pornography, through prostitution, Uh, Our society has redefined sexuality. We are constantly exposed and thus we are being affected. Our society has truly begun to exemplify the statement of Isaiah when he said, those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is this is. This is where we're at, folks. This is the world we live in. We are inundated with moral decay. On the other hand, God is entirely good. 
God is entirely good. He is morally excellent. God's goodness does not have a veneer of goodness on the outside, but inside is something else. God's goodness is not like a gold-plated goodness. God's goodness is good through and through. In Acts chapter 14, we're cutting into the middle of a context where Paul and Barnabas are at Lystra, and they, they go in and they heal someone, and the people are like, whoa, someone's healed? This is incredible. And so they start to call them um, names of gods, and, and they start to bring out items to sacrifice to the gods. And here's what Paul says in verse 15, Acts 14 and verse 15, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that in them or all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Listen carefully to verse 17. Yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Every day, every day, you have experienced the benefits of running water, something to drink and something to eat. This is just a portion of showing you and me God's goodness. God's goodness is true. God's goodness is enduring. The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 68, listen carefully to what it says. It'll be on the screen to my sides. You are good and do good. Speaking of God, you are good and do good. Everything about God is good, and everything that God does is good. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, in the 52nd Psalm, in the first verse, it says, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty men? The goodness of God endures... What's it say? What does that mean? Today, and tomorrow and the next day, and the next week, and the next month, and the next years, unto all generations, forever and ever. Amen. God's goodness endures. The Bible says in Psalm, 22 and ver- uh, excuse me, Psalm 33 and verse 5, speaking of God, He loves righteousness and justice. Listen carefully. The earth is full of the steadfast love of God. Now, the term steadfast love is not the same term goodness, the, the Hebrew term tov. It's not that. It's a different Hebrew term. It's chased. It has the idea of steadfast covenant loyalty, that God unendingly, in a covenant way, loves people. God is bound by the covenants that he makes because God cannot change. Listen, uh, take a look, please, at Psalm 23. It's a very familiar psalm, the 23rd Psalm. You've almost certainly seen or heard the 23rd Psalm at some funeral that you've attended, some funeral service. Maybe you, as a child, heard Psalm 23. Maybe you have it memorized. The very last verse of Psalm 23 makes this 
comforting, encouraging statement. Listen to what the psalmist David says in Psalm 23 and verse 6. Surely, in other words, without a doubt, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David makes this statement. Surely goodness and mercy, but our concentration is on goodness. God's goodness will follow me. The Hebrew term has the idea of pursuing. God's goodness will pursue me all the days of my life. God doesn't say, uh, I'll give you a glimpse of goodness here and there. God's goodness is in constant pursuit of his people. One of the things that you'll notice from a number of the testimonies that will come at the end of our time together when we have our baptism service is that the general idea of these baptisms is that God met the people. God met the people. God pursued the people. There they were doing whatever it is they do. For one, it was being a barber. For another, it was being injured at work and having to go to a rehab facility. God met them through a person that was willing to tell them the gospel. God's goodness pursued them. This is good news, folks. God is entirely good, and he demonstrates his goodness by pursuing people like us. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So God is good. God is good. And He does good. And He pursues us with His goodness. On the other hand, we, of our own resources, are not good. This is a problem, folks. We're not good like God is. You might do good things. You might think good thoughts. You might try to do good things for people. But of your own resources, in, in, in light of who God is and His goodness and His holiness and perfection, we're not good. Take a look at Romans chapter 7 for a moment. Romans chapter 7. This is in your New Testaments. You were already uh, earlier in the book of Acts, so it's just one book to the right from Acts. Romans chapter 7. Here the Apostle Paul makes this very succinct statement. In Romans 7, in verse 18, he says, For I know that nothing good, spiritually, dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. So, so Paul makes this statement. He says, I don't have goodness as a, an abiding character trait. I don't. Jesus agrees with him. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, excuse me, book of Mark, chapter 10, Jesus said to him, No one is good except God alone. So Paul and Jesus are in agreement that we have a problem. Isaiah also agrees. Isaiah talked about us in all of our best efforts. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags before God. Does that mean your, your good deeds are of no account, of no worth? That's not what it's saying. It just means that it doesn't gain you a standing with God. It's not good like God. God's goodness is in a category all by its own, 
Nothing I do will bring me to the place of that goodness. I am outside of that goodness without God's grace. I have some more news for you. Not only is God entirely good and we are not good, heaven is, will be filled with only good things. Heaven will be filled with only good things. Now, we could look at it in Revelation 21 and 22. We're not going to, but I want to remind you of what's going on. In Revelation 21 and 22, John, the apostle, is talking about a new heaven and a new earth. And he talks about how all the former things are passed away. Old things are passed away, and and everything's been made new. He talks about tears being wiped away, pain being gone, sorrows being gone. He talks about this this newness. And then he he makes, in verse... um, 8 of chapter 21 and verse 15 of chapter 22, he makes the statement that, that makes us think, all right, well, that's, that's interesting. And what he says there is, outside of this place that's new, outside of this place that has no pain, outside of this place that has no um, sorrow, outside of this place that has perfect truth, are those that commit adultery, those that murder, that, that steal, that, that are covetous, and that lie. Folks, that means all of us. That's all of us. There's no one in this room that is sinless. And Revelation 21 and 22 paints this picture of sinful people being on the outside, looking in, and having no part. The psalmist in Psalm 15 does the same thing. Take a look at Psalm 15 for a moment. The good news is coming. Don't sit there panicking. There is bad news. The bad news, folks, is that if we don't have Christ as our Savior to provide us with eternal goodness, we will be outside of God's presence forever. But here in in Psalm 15, another affirmation that only good things will be in heaven, it says in verse 1, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent, the place where you live? Who shall dwell in your holy hill, the place you live? He who walks, how? Blamelessly, and does what is right, and speaks truth in his heart. Who does not slander with his tongue, and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. In other words, he's telling you the sinless people will be in heaven. And so we all have drooped shoulders, unless we're not honest. If you're honest, you know you're a sinner. You know you've thought evil against your neighbor. Maybe you didn't do it. Maybe you didn't punch them in the face when you were mad at them. You thought it, didn't you? You, you were pretty upset when they cut over your side of the, the property line or they, they cut down a branch that you really thought was giving you some privacy in your yard or the guy cut you off on the road. That's always my favorite one because that happens all the time. People cutting you off. It's like, yeah! we, we get angry. We, we don't like these things. We all sin in our heart. We may not actively engage in a particular conflict, but it's, it's already going on here. God is good. We aren't. Heaven's filled with only good things. Well, that leaves us to a fourth and important concept, and that's this. God provides. God provides the necessary goodness to those who trust Him. God provides the necessary goodness to those or for those 
who trust him. The Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It'll be on the screen. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts, listen carefully, and establish them, establish your hearts in every good work and word. He doesn't say, hey, go and do good things and God will establish you. He says, through God's grace, he establishes you in your word and your work. God is making us good. In Hebrews chapter 13, a very similar concept is communicated in verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything what? Good. May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so we, we're starting to see this, this concept. Okay? God's good. I'm not. Heaven's only for good. I need some help here. Yes? I need some help. God says, I, I will provide you with that help. I have done what's necessary. I've sent my son, Jesus Christ, to bear your sin, to remove from you the guilt and condemnation of your sin, and to provide you with eternal righteousness and goodness. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8. You, you may, have been, may have come across this verse in the past. I want you to think about this. In Romans 8, 28 and 29, it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? Well, what is that concept? Well, God is working goodness. He's working goodness. Well, what does that look like? In verse, uh, you can enjoy it. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be, what? Conformed to the image of his son. Well, he's good. God's will is to make us good. Like his son. It only comes through his son. It only comes from God pursuing us. It only comes from God himself in the flesh bearing our sin debt, bearing the guilt of our sin, removing forever the consequences of our sin, and injecting, imputing into our lives, into our account, and into our being the very goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In order that, at the end of that passage, in order that we might be the firstborn among many brothers. In other words, we might might look like Jesus in his goodness, in his perfection, in his righteousness. Well, this seems, seems pretty good, and it seems as though we might struggle to attain to conformity to Christ. You know, Jesus was perfect, and my experience tells me that I'm not perfect in my daily life. So we have some, some more encouragement. At least I trust it will be encouraging to you. God made a promise. To those who have trusted Christ, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, and I am sure of this, I am sure of this, this is with great certainty, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, you will be perfectly good if you've trusted Christ. Why will you be perfectly good? Because God will accomplish it. Anything that God wills to do, He does, and He does perfectly. In order for me to enter into heaven's gates, to be with God forever, I have to be, 
entirely good. And the only way that comes is by the gracious gift of that goodness coming from God. While we remain on this earth, the goodness of the Lord is to be seen in us. Take a look with me at the book of Galatians chapter 6. This is in your bulletin as well, so if you don't navigate well through your Bible, you can pull out your bulletin and take a look at the scripture reading that we read earlier. To those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, God's goodness has been attributed to us in the righteousness of Christ. And in life, as God is producing good works in us, we are reflecting His very nature. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, which is why we're even studying this passage or this concept. In Galatians 5.22, the Bible says this, For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness or kindness, and goodness. The fruit of the Spirit is goodness. When the Spirit's working in the life of a believer, goodness comes forth. This is a work of God. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9, it says that the fruit of light is found in, uh, in all that is good and right and true. So the fruit of light is another way of saying the fruit of the Spirit. God's working in us results in good things. Because we know this, because we know it's God's design for us to exhibit His goodness, we are motivated to see His goodness demonstrated in us. And here in Galatians chapter 6, again, we read it. I want us to read again verses 7 through 10. It says, Do not be mocked. Excuse me, I didn't say that right. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us now not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if, uh, if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, so God's goodness that is supposed to be demonstrated in the life, in the lives of those that know Him as Savior when it comes forth, the world around us gets a glimpse of that goodness. The world around us gets a glimpse of not our goodness. Hey, that's a really great guy. No, that's a really great God. There's, there's this demonstration in life of the kingdom work of God. And that's what we're supposed to be about. We do it in the church and out of the church. Again, this is spirit wrought. The Spirit is the one who produces goodness in us. It's not like, oh, uh, what are all the good things? I'm going to go do them. Knowing what's good helps us to see when we're not, uh, when we are walking in the Spirit. Knowing what's good helps us to see when we're not walking in the Spirit. And so we see that God in and of Himself is good in every way. That me, in and of myself, I'm not good in in every way at very, the very least, and probably in any way, if I'm to, to, to truly tell you the truth. But God injects into me His goodness by His very own presence in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, with that being said, I don't know where you are in your, your own relationship with God, but I do know this. If you want to spend eternity with Him, you need perfect goodness. 
And you and I, we can't produce that. And so we're, we're in need. So I want to point you to the Lord Jesus Christ who bore our sin in his own body on the tree. That's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24. He bore our sin in his own body on the tree so that I would not have to deal with my sin. I would not have to pay for my sin. I would not have to be condemned by my sin. Instead, what would happen when I trust Christ as my Savior, he removes forever the debt of my sin and places on my account forever his perfect righteousness, which which enfolds this goodness, this goodness that comes from God. And then in our daily lives, we seek to demonstrate that. Now, what we're going to do as we transition now, I'm going to pray in just a moment. Eight different people have, a, have their own story. They, they, were, they were going about life as life was going, right? It's like we've all gone through life. God pursued them with his goodness introduced them to himself many times through someone else. And what happened in the midst of that is God removed, when they trusted Christ, removed their sin and gave them goodness. And this is going to be demonstrated in a baptism service. And so uh, as each one comes forth, they're not coming into this water to get saved. No one's going to be saved from this baptismal water. It's just water. You could just go jump in it right now. You'd get out, you'd be wet, and your phone would be dead, and you'd have nothing to change into. It would be a bad idea. All eight of these, and I'll be in there with them, have already trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. They've already been recipients of God's goodness in salvation. And they are demonstrating to you that goodness that God has already accomplished in them.